Okay, can you tell today is going to be a very different show? <laughs> I am so pumped, I can hardly stand it. So I'll just tell you briefly, you know about me. I'm not going to make this about me. The only thing I want you to remember about me is, yes, I do leadership development workshops. Hire me. That's the only thing you need to know. Let's get into the show, okay? Oh my gosh. I am so excited to have someone with me today that obviously is a chef. So I am trying to emulate. And you know, if you followed me for very long, that my passion is cooking. So this is just going to be an awesome, incredible show. I've got lots of questions. I wish we had a whole hour. Let me just tell you how I got to know Chef Brother Luck, who is an award-winning from age, I think, 16 or 17, we're going to talk about that, chef. He has won awards all over the place. He actually is known for one thing, for beating Bobby Flay, which we're going to talk about. So let me just give you a heads up on this. I got to know this man in a very interesting way. You know that I love to drink red wines. I like any wine, but particularly reds. Austin Hope happens to be one of my favorite wineries. So we get our uh, amount of wine that we order regularly, and in it is this. Can you see that? I don't want you to see my face. I want you to see this. It was uh, Chef Brother Luck. Yes, that really is his name. It's got his picture. And it's got a bio, and on the back is a recipe. And I found that fascinating. Well, you know me. I'm curious. That's my middle name. So I figured I'd just try to find this man. And I did. And then I found out this man on the show, Chef Brother Luck, yes, that's his real name, has this book. Can you tell that I liked reading it? That's what the show is about. So you just stay tuned, okay? Welcome to our podcast, Doing It Right. This podcast reveals authentic stories from successful leaders doing it right. It's about their journey to become a leader, their choices, motivations, and lessons. In essence, how they built successful personal brands. Your host is Valerie Sokolowski, author of eight leadership books and nationally known as an authority on executive presence and personal branding. Let's get started. Here's Valerie. All right, welcome back. I want to welcome my guest today, just giving you a little bit more information because I want to set this up to say, this is no ordinary man. This is a man who grew up in the hood and he became a world famous chef. Wait till you see and hear his story. And I'm just going to welcome Chef Brother Luck. Thanks so much for being on the oh, show. Oh, man. <laughs> what, a, what an amazing intro. And I'm just... I'm glowing from ear to ear just just hearing you talk about, you know, my story, my book, everything. Thank you so much for inviting me on. You are so welcome. And I don't know you I do know that you have three restaurants. I don't know how you've taken the time to do this, but oh well, get right into it. I may talk fast because there's so much I want to talk about. All right. Well, first of all, I like to cook and I have a pretty special chocolate caramel brownie recipe. Would you like it? I would. I would definitely <laughs> like it. <laughs> Christmas is coming. Okay. Chef, uh, your story is just incredible. And before we get into all the depth of it, I just have a quick question as another person that loves to cook. How do you 
get your mind to come up with all these recipes because I'll tell you, and admittedly, I can't do that. I have to have a recipe. And so, you know, when you get in the kitchen and your book talks about it and you're doing all these things and you have from age, what, 16? Mm-hmm. Ah. Yeah. 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 Age 16, I started. How does, and we're going to get into that in just a minute. How does your mind do that? How do you do that? Just come up with things. Yeah. You know, I, th- I think the important piece of anytime you're talking about creativity, you have to have a baseline or some type of foundation, right? You got to refer to the basics, the classics. So, you know, when it comes to cooking, we learn classical French cooking. This is how you make a bisque. This is how you make a roast. This is how you reduce the sauce and make a beurre blanc. Once you understand the basics, you can then start to insert creativity or new flavor profiles and, and reapproach it with inspiration. So I think it's whether it's a cocktail or it's a dish, I'm going to always refer back to a classic. If I'm thinking Vichy Soie and I'm thinking chilled potato and leek, well, I know potato and leek work well together no matter what I do with it. So now I can take that and turn that into a dumpling. And I can turn that into a potato and leek pierogi and, and, and play around with a cold sauce that might be the vichyssois element of it. So it's about, you know, taking a classic and reinventing it. Do you give cooking lessons? <laughs> I do give cooking lessons <laughs> when I have the time, when I have the time. <laughs> but I have to come to Colorado Springs where you are, don't I? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, I do a lot of them online, too. So, you know, I, I love to teach, teaching I've had great mentors throughout my career, and, and I've tried to emulate them and be like them. Uh, so I love to teach. I love to share what I know. Um, you know, it's it's crazy now, the platforms. I mean, you know, having a TikTok of me teaching someone how to dice an onion gets 5 million views. I just, I, I'm blown away by the, the, the places that people are learning from. Well, you're amazing. You're amazingly famous now as a chef, as an entrepreneur, as a television personality on all the other chef shows. So let's go back and just tell us the story about Brother Luck. It's fascinating. Uh, Where to begin? Yeah. Yeah. um, I'm the fourth, which is very special. I'm Brother Luck the fourth. So to carry on that name is to carry on the generations of the men before me. So I'm very proud of that. Uh, Brother was a nickname uh, in our family. I carry the Marcellus Haywood Luck, uh, which was our actual name. My father was the first one to legally change his name to Brother. So when I was born, he named me legally Brother Marcellus Haywood Luck IV. So um, it's very special because it is a family name. Our, our, Our family's Creole, so French origins, African origins. Um, I'm a mother's Cajun. So, you know, you've got this beautiful Louisiana culture uh, stewing there. Um, But my brother and I were raised in California and we were raised in the Bay Area, San Francisco, Oakland, Vallejo. And uh, it's just, you know, life comes at you quick and and you never know what the 24 hours is going to give you. And you have to you have to take it. You have to embrace it. You have to adapt to it. You have to evolve. And, uh, you know, my story is made up of, of hardship, but then perseverance. And you say that so eloquently and as if there wasn't a lot going on. Tell us a little bit more because there was a lot going on, brother. Yeah. You know, my my father passed away when I was 10 years old and it was sudden. It was quick. Um, You know, he was sick and, uh, you know, um, he passed away within within that that, that next day. Uh, It was very fast and nothing was set up for us. There was no 
no life insurance. There was no no income. Uh, my mother, you know, taking on two boys, um, ten years old and seven years old. She did the best she could, and she didn't have a lot of support. She didn't have a lot of family. She didn't have an education to rely on. She didn't really have a career to fall back on. So, you know, we had to survive. And you know, when you're surviving in a very urban environment, life is hard. And you know, I became a product of the streets. I became a kid who was was fascinated by the people on the corner, the the pimps, the drug dealers, the gangbangers. These these were the people with money. These were the people with respect. These were the people with power. And uh, I wanted to be uh, in their company. Mm-hmm. And these were some of the the bad mentors that I had growing up. But they taught me some life lessons. You know, that goes to who is a role model, and so often. It is and should be, as well as the mother, but the fa- for a boy, the father, the father. So keep going about your story. He died. You were young. It was fast. You were on the streets. What does that look like? What did that yeah. look like? Well, I think you're surrounded by violence. You're surrounded by um, a constant mindset of, you know, what is the hustle? How do I come up? Um and, 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 and just living in that fast paced life of trying to make a buck, trying to, trying to find food, um, getting into whatever was entertaining and, and not questioning whether it was right or wrong. Um, you know, these were the hardships, but when I was 16, uh, I was, I was moved to Phoenix by a friend of the family and I got into culinary. Uh, I took a vocational program, uh, with this high school and they, they, they kind of set it up. It's like, you know, you, you you have the ability to go learn a skill because it doesn't seem like college is something you want to do. And I took culinary arts. I figured it was free lunch and I'd probably get to meet some girls. And it was that simple. <laughs> what I didn't expect was these grown men uh, to become my new mentors, you know, to teach me discipline, to hold me accountable, but also to encourage me. I never wanted to be a chef until they told me I was good at cooking and I believed them. And I became fascinated by uh, that attention. I wanted that compliment again and again and again, which I chased for a long time in my career, uh, was the validation of, of my superiors. We all want validation, don't we? Absolutely. I, I think it's natural for, you know, wanting that pat on the back, wanting that attention, uh, wanting somebody to console you, somebody to to applaud you. Um, it feels good. And I think, you know, we've seen that with social media and, and the serotonin le- levels that you get out of you know, seeing those likes and seeing those blue check marks. I mean, these are, these are, these are, uh, natural human instincts, but, uh, it's easy to get lost in because you cannot, no one can validate you except for the, the reflection in the mirror. That that's where you have to validate yourself. That's actually, and we didn't talk about all of your top takeaways of life. But in going through the book, let's see how many I have listed, brother. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, and more of those wow. things that are lessons that you, you you don't call them lessons learned, but you sure talk about them. And then you ask, which I thought was awesome as an author, the way you end each chapter, asking the reader to answer some questions, which is very, very challenging, some of them. And you talked in there about validation, and uh, <laughs> your words were, stop chasing validation at work. How many mm. people do that, brother? 
Yeah, and we get lost in it, right? Mm-hmm. And then we sacrifice everything for the job. And we're losing connection to to family. We're losing connection to our personal lives. We're losing connection to having a life. You know, and we're taught with this this mindset of work life balance, mm-hmm. which I don't think exists. I think it's just balance. You have to lose work and life to find balance. It's, it's got to be one. You can't have this alter ego of of, of who are you. Uh, I'll never forget my wife asking me, "Am I talking to chef or am I talking to brother?" Oh. And that bothered me. I didn't like that. Ooh. That's pretty powerful that Tina says. Tell us about your wife. Uh, she's a queen. Um, I, I worship the ground she walks on. I, I've, I'm enamored by this, this strong, uh, powerful, amazing woman who is just doing um, great things. And, you know, we've, we've been together 20, 22 years at this point. Um, there's no new stories and, and, and she's my best friend. So, you know, our relationship is, is built on, is built on that friendship first and foremost. And, uh, she's my greatest supporter. She's the person who makes me feel like I can take on the world, but she's also the person that humbles me and makes me walk sideways through a door where my head gets a little too big. Does your head get big? It doesn't, but she says it does. (laughs) Well, I go there because you were very clear in your book, and I loved how you kind of layered it down, and you started by saying, in essence, don't let pride leads to, and then that leads to, and kind of go through that thought process, starting with pride leads to, you ended it with humility is really the bottom line. Yeah, you know, at the end of the day, like, we we cannot get caught up in in the fact that, you know, you're greater than because that pride will get in the way of your perseverance. And, and I, I think there's always somebody better. There's always someone who's done more homework. There's always someone who's more prepared, who has more experience. So what's the point of being cocky if there's someone better than you? So we have to stay humble in whatever we're pursuing, whether it's, it's a skill, it's an art, um, it's a craft. Uh, it's business, it's life. We have to stay humble. We have to stay curious. I, I love that phrase of, you know, be curious, approach life with a curiosity. I ask a lot of questions instead of giving a lot of statements because mm. I get a lot more out of the discussion. That is so fascinating because that's what coaching is all about is learning to ask power. They call it powerful questions. And I remember when I was getting the certification, I'd already been coaching for a whole lot of years. Then you had to go through the ICF certification. Okay. I got that badge, but I remember they kept talking about powerful questions, powerful questions. And I said one day to one of the gurus, what do you mean? Powerful question. Basically it's just good open-ended questions. Mm-hmm. How does yeah, that- I, I I love those. I think young young managers um, they they get into leadership positions and they want to lead, they want to give directives. <laughs> when when you look at the most powerful people in the world, they sit around these boardrooms with these great minds, and they ask questions. What do you think? How mm. should we approach this? Where should we go with this? What's your opinion? Th- this is how you gather data to make educated decisions. So now, not only are you famous, you're a leader, you're an entrepreneur, you're a chef, you're a business owner, you're a lot of things. You're a leader. My question to you is, how do you 
How do you show up as a leader? What's, what's your style? What would people say you're like as a boss? Yeah, uh, I've been a leader since I was, I was 19. That was my first management position. And I was in charge of, of 50 plus employees um, as a very young person. Wow. So uh, I couldn't lead with experience. I couldn't lead with uh, the aggression or assertiveness. I had to lead with education. Um, I had to ask a lot of questions. I had to be willing to do the work. I had to lead from the front and be the example. Mm. So I think when, when, when my staff would describe me, um, I'm very involved. I, I, I'm, very, I'm very of the mindset that my staff don't work for me. I work for my team. And, and I like to, to stay in that because I'm earning their trust every day because they believe in me. They, they've said, yes, I'm willing to, to join you and support you. And I have to earn that every day. So I try to teach a lot of my staff that same, same por portion of it, but it is through education. I think education can always be sought after. And, you know, I've had positions where I didn't know everything, but I would go home and I would study before the next shift and I'd come in with the answers. And, you know, that's just proper preparation. In your book, brother, you said, I thought it was hilarious. You said, um, Basically, that being a chef is a team, and you talked about how you lead in the book and how you've got your teams, and there's lots of pictures, which I love, all these pictures of you actually cooking and putting the little special things on the dishes and your wife and so forth. I have a question. Remember the movie Ratatouille? Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, the bad guy was a chef who yelled a lot. Are you a yelling chef? And is that what it takes? No. Yeah. I, it's, it's funny. I had a chef recently say, well, chef, I probably just need to be more aggressive. And I Ooh. said, no, I, I don't think it's about being aggressive or, or being loud or screaming to get your point across. Um, a lot of the times we emulate what we know. And most of us worked for harsh leaders. Uh, especially earlier in our careers. So you emulate that. So eventually you, you become confident with who you are and your leadership style. Me personally, I feel like if someone can invoke that emotion out of me, then they have power over me. And I don't, I don't like that. So I'm very in control of, of my emotions. I can't control other people. I can control myself. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I'm very one, one temperament uh, pretty much throughout the day. And, you know, it's, it's, it's very solemn. It's very stone face. Sometimes I call it resting chef face. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I have to be aware of it, you know, and sometimes it's intimidating. I'm like, I'm a, I'm six two, 260 pounds. Like I'm a big guy. So I think when people, um, kind of see me just stone face, um, it's intimidating and I have to be aware of that as well, but I'm not, I'm not a screamer. I'll never let someone, um, control my emotions. Uh, because that's power, and, and I don't think we should ever give that kind of power away. How did you learn all this? How did you come to a sense of peace and coming out of the hood? And in the book, you talk about all the abuse that you had and dealt with, you and your brother. Yeah, you, you know, I, I think I've I've seen enough life to understand the pain of life, um, mm -hmm. to know loss, to know death more than once, more than enough. And we have 
we have the same 24 hours. So it's how you choose to live that 24 hours. It's life is short. Tomorrow is not promised. And we have to really make our impact. So when I look at the people I've lost, the people that are no longer here, I'm so aware of what am I leaving behind. And, mm-hmm. and I hope it's a, a great legacy of, of people that I've inspired through, through my demeanor, through my persona, through my mindset. It has nothing to do with my ego. But you have to have stress, brother. How do you... Yeah, particularly since I've played around with being a chef, uh, the stress, I can't even imagine. How many restaurants, and name them, please, in Colorado Springs do you have? Yes, we have, uh, I have three locations. I have Four by Brother Luck, which is a full-service restaurant um, focused on Southwestern food. I have Lucky Dumpling, which is a uh, Asian fusion concept uh, and another full-service restaurant. And then I have uh, I have the studio, which is my, my private space where I entertain um uh, small, small groups. So, uh, as, as far as stress, yeah, of course, stress is there. Um, but it comes down to, uh, my calendar. I have to manage my time. Uh, I have to schedule my life, not just my work. I have to schedule my life. You know, when is date night? When are we traveling? When are, are we making time to do something for us? When am I making time to do something for myself? Mm. Uh, and then I have to find those things of, of what I'm doing for myself. You know, I like to play golf. So, I, I play golf once or twice a week. That's a good checkout for me um, to have three to four hours of disconnect. But I have to get up at six, seven o'clock in the morning to be able to go do that. So uh, if I want to get that on my schedule, then I've got to I've got to go to bed early enough to get up early enough to do that so I can work that into my day. That's common sense. Easy to say, hard to do. Yeah. I have a question for you. What do you like to cook? What do you like to eat? I love cooking um, gumbo. It, it's 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 a special dish. It's a, it's a nostalgic dish for me. It reminds me of family. Um, it's a very layered dish, which requires a lot of time and technique um, to build flavor. I, I love that about a good dish. Uh, what do I love to eat? I love eating. Um, Asian foods, uh, you know, Japanese, Korean, Vietnamese, Thai, hmm. Filipino. Um, I just, I love traveling through that part of the world and, and getting to understand the, the cuisines and the stories and the people and the thought process. Uh, so that's a big part for me. So you've traveled so many places and, and you've made such a name for yourself. Does uncertainty ever creep in? Of course, I'm, I'm my own worst enemy. Um, for a long time, I couldn't look myself in the mirror. I couldn't look myself in the eye. I, I wasn't confident in myself. Hmm. I, I think that that insecurity is shared by so many, but we, a lot of us hide it because we have to be on, on point. We have to be the leader. We have to be the boss. We have to run the show. We have to be the head of household, whatever it is. Um, you, you, you kind of shove that down and kind of work through it, but it doesn't go away. You know, ignoring the problem doesn't make the problem go away. And uh, at some point, you've got to realize that you need an outlet for it. You need to talk about it. And, and talking about emotions, talking about feelings, talking about insecurities does not make you look weak. Yeah. That's really interesting that you said that. In that, so many times in my coaching practice, 
There are leaders who feel like they can't be vulnerable, that they need to have all the answers or at least seem like they do. And I'll never forget, for an example, a company that was going through a merger. And to a good point, this man knew better than to act as if he knew it all and had his act together. And he literally would have town halls every week. And three-fourths of them at the beginning were, I'm just here to say, I still don't know. <laughs> That's being vulnerable. <laughs> because I mean, everyone... many of us don't know. Right? We... <laughs> so, yeah, many of us don't know. We don't know. But it's okay to say you don't know. Just be willing to do the work to find the answer and do the reps to become proficient at that skill. Very true. This whole thing leads me to ask about the imposter syndrome. That's the term now, the imposter syndrome. Um, what are your thoughts about that? I don't think I've ever looked at myself as an imposter. I think it's more of a lack of sense of belonging. I don't feel like mm. I'm allowed to be in these rooms. I don't feel like I'm, I'm supposed to be in these rooms. You know, this is my own victim's mentality that I've created for myself. And, and I've put myself into a cage to where I'm, I'm scared to say yes. I'm scared to explore the great things of the world. I, I think the things that I didn't grow up around, um, why not be able to achieve them? Why not be able to say that you've earned a, a, an income or you own properties or you know, you travel to these places and do these things that there's no reason why we have to stay in this victim's mentality. Uh, and and I, I think the imposter syndrome is kind of where that's coming from is it's a lack of, I don't, I'm not supposed to be here. I'm not allowed mm. in here. Mm. That's um, to your point. That is something that I hear a lot and I've felt, which is, well, do I deserve? Um, is this something I need to act differently when I'm a part of? Or why me? Well, why not me? Right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I've struggled with that being biracial, right? My father is black. My mother's white. And that's two worlds. That's two different worlds. And I've never felt like I belong to either. So, you know, you, you, you don't feel accepted on, on either side. So you kind of have to act a certain way. So eventually you get to the point where you don't care what either side thinks. You're just mm. you. Um, I can't change my father. I can't change my mother. This is who I am. This is my skin tone. And you can like it or you can dislike it. That's your choice. Um, but I think, if, you know, you don't like me. You don't like yourself. Like that's, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's so a likable person. Um, <laughs> I like me, but, right? Yeah. <laughs> But, they, you know, there was a part in the book where I, I talked about uh, being at Aspen Food and Wine and being invited to this this high-profile celebrity chef event where I didn't feel like I belonged. I didn't feel like I, I, I should even be in the room, even though I had a ticket. And uh, running into to Marcus Samuelson, you know, someone who's given me a lot of good advice over the years, um, him saying, you know, brother, it doesn't matter how we all got to the top of this mountain we're all here. Mm. So the fact that you're standing here having this conversation, it doesn't matter how you got in the door. You're in the room. Mm. You're on the top of a mountain right now. We all came up different paths. And I, and I love that analogy because it, it really gave me some comfort to know, like, you know, it doesn't matter how you got there. You're there. So embrace the moment. 
Now, see, that in itself is such a great message for people who are striving to get to the next level or striving for that next promotion or striving and striving and striving and striving. And when do you get to the point where you just allow yourself to just relax with that? I think you have to remember your your long term and short term goals. What what are you chasing? What are you achieving? What is it, what? How do you define success? How do you define happiness? Mm. Because we get so lost in chasing our careers, we're unhappy. Mm-hmm. We're 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 not successful, even though we are with a title, with the office, with 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 a salary, with benefits. You're not happy. And I think that those are those moments where you have to kind of take that step back and, and look around and appreciate where you are and what you have, because, you know, your your dreams of five years ago are realities today, most of the time. What would you say to an inspiring young person like yourself who did not have the wherewithal from family or whatever? Um and in today's world, which is, let's face it, very difficult, very different. My children and I and you grew up maybe in a world that didn't have as much dissension. And mm-hmm. that's all stop at that. <laughs> what would be yeah. your advice? You know, I, I think it's important, especially for young people right now, to understand that there is only one you. Mm-hmm. That recipe can never be re- recreated. I, I don't care how many times I take those ingredients. I cannot recreate that special you. <laughs> and you cannot measure yourself against someone else. You, when you see these greatest hits that are getting posted on these social medias, these are these are the greatest parts of their day. This is not the bad parts of their day. So it's, it's, it's such a, a small piece of it. So you can't measure yourself to other people. You have to learn to love you. You have to learn to accept you, to be proud of you, to, to know that because there's only one you, you're already unique. And no one can co-sign that. No one needs to co-sign that. You have to co-sign yourself. Well said. So well said. And you said to me in the pre-interview, brother, you need people and people need you. That was the second yeah. piece of it that I thought was so great. You need people. We got that. Check. But then you also quickly said, and people need you. Yes, it's so necessary. We, we, we have to be a part of a pack. And, and when you look at a, when you look at a, a predator, they mm. want to separate their prey from the pack because when you are alone, you're an easier target. Mm. So don't get separated from your pack. The enemy is chasing you and they want you by yourself. You know, so when you put up these walls and you're on that wall on the other side of it by yourself, mm-hmm. you become an easy target. And uh, we, we have to remember that, you know, not only do we need people, you need to be there for someone else. Mm. Beautifully said. Being there for someone else and also um, telling your story. We talked about that, about, you know, if you don't tell your story, people are going to miss things. And when you when we talked about it, your words were your story can be actually maybe from this book. I don't remember which, but your story can be somebody else's hope. I just really liked that. Talk about that a minute. Yeah, um, I, I learned a message many years ago that your story 
regardless of how hard it is to, to relive, to talk about, mm-hmm. to, to, to go through those pains, your story is not meant for you. Your, your story is meant for someone else. Mm-hmm. Someone needs to hear your story. Someone needs to find hope because of your story. Someone is going to persevere because of your story. So when we downplay our stories because we think they're not good enough because somebody else had it harder, mm-hmm. you don't know that. Don't write the end of a chapter. Tell the story. Let somebody else make their own conclusions. Yes. I'll never forget doing a keynote one time when someone, I had we had lost our son, which is another story in a car wreck. And it was fresh, and I was doing a lot of keynotes, and I never mentioned it. And someone, a friend, came up to me, brother, and said, you never talk about Jason. Why don't you do that? And I said, because I don't want to make people cry. And they immediately, this person said, it's not about making people cry. It's about telling a story somebody else needs to hear. So mm. that was great that you just kind of said the same thing. Well, let's talk about the future. Challenges you said are meant to be taken on. What is your challenge coming up? Can't wait to have. Um, honestly, I'm, I'm pursuing this, this whole new um, idea of what tomorrow can be for, for me and my, my, my story and my brand and my leadership. I, I, I've realized my perspective is very unique. Um, I have a lot of credibility to back that up as, as a professional of 25 years. Um, so I've really gotten into keynotes. I've really gotten into um, putting together my workshops and my trainings. And uh, I, I'm just excited to, to continue to inspire. I, it's really what I want to do. Um, and I've never thought anything beyond the kitchen. I, I've always been in the kitchen. I've always been in the restaurants. I've always been a chef. Yeah. And I can't do that my entire life. So I'm at this crossroads right now where I'm starting to embrace this next chapter that is so unknown and I have no idea where it's going, but I'm exhilarated by the possibilities of, of what I'm writing and what I'm discussing and what I'm dreaming yeah. because it, it will become a reality sooner than later if I just you know, start to move forward with it. And you do move forward one step at a time every day. We talked about that. Oh, my gosh. Every day is a new page, right? Every lots day is of, a new page. Lots more books in you. Chef, you're, you're kind to take time out in this busy, busy day with your three restaurants. I'd like to leave you um, with just saying that our heart connected, and I so was with you when we had that pre-interview. And I appreciated you sharing with where your strength comes from. You want to share about that? Yeah. You know, my, my strength begins with my faith. God, God's been great in my life. Um, even when I didn't want to listen, even when I wanted to run, even when I wanted to ignore. And, you know, he's, he's never let go of my heart. And every time I feel like my life's out of control, it's because I'm trying to control it. You know, I, I'm in the passenger seat right now and I've let go of the steering wheel and I'm just, I'm along for the ride. And it's, it's beautiful because great things are happening uh, the more I put faith into God. And that's, that's really the base of it, you know, and then it's followed by family and then it's followed by my work, uh, which is food. I thought so, that was great. Faith, family, and food. That's an alliteration. Faith, family, food. Faith, family, food. I, faith, and, I, fam- and I screw it up every day. <laughs> 
<laughs> Write a song about that. Faith, family, and food. I like that. So, Chef, where can people reach you? On the banner, it's going to show it, but you want to tell us when people come through Colorado Springs or not. We do uh-huh. know you've got a book, and it is on Amazon now, isn't it? It's on Amazon. It's on Barnes Noble, uh, Ingram, anywhere you can get it. Audible's coming out. I recorded the Audible, so you'll get to hear my beautiful voice uh, tell my story. <laughs> and I'm I'm uh, chefbrotherluck.com uh, and at chefbrotherluck across the board. So Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, Facebook, all of the above. Um, I'm at chefbrotherluck. So audience, don't hesitate to follow Brother Luck. And yes. That is your real name. Chef, thank you. (laughs) Thanks so much. It was so fun to be with you. And you bet I will be following everywhere you are. Send recipes when you can or find them or tell me where to find them. And you bet I'll send everybody to Colorado Springs when they're there to see your restaurants. They're awesome. Thank you so very much. Absolutely. Looking forward. Thank you so much. All right. Bye for now. Now stay tuned because I do have a Valerieism really quickly. And this is it. One step at a time, one foot in front of the other. You know, I always end with a quick little Valerieism and that's it. And really, we've talked about it. That's all you can do is just step up in the morning. It's a new page. Put one foot. Uh, I don't know how you get out of the bed, but I usually put one foot before the other. If you jump down and it's two, that's okay. But that's the point. Just step by step by step. Whatever it takes, just be sure it's moving forward. And that's it. Until next time, see you then. Thanks for listening. To receive Valerie's voice, free monthly leadership tips, and to learn more about her leadership programs and coaching, visit her website, ValerieAndCompany.com. Next week, we'll be here again to inspire, engage, and equip you with teachable points of view from successful leaders who have been doing it right. Until then, lead authentically.